0: Our Father, we do want to thank you that you speak to us from the Bible and we pray that you will as we learn from you how to be like you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 20. I'm only going to read verses 8 to 11 from here. Uh, Take the first bit as read. I'm going to pick up at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now skip to Mark chapter three, page 838. and That's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you to show you what it means to live in a Sabbath day that is blessed. Mark chapter 3, Jesus on the Sabbath day. Mark chapter 3 verse 1, reading through to verse 6. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Well, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately, he held counsel with the Herodians against him uh, to destroy him. We're going to look at those two parts of the Bible and study uh, about a special day God has given us, but first we're going to stop for a minute and the children believe for their particular time with Hannah. Well, let's start and uh, look at uh, Exodus chapter 20. And my friends, I wanted to come on a journey with me this evening because I'm going to show you how to enjoy the goodness of God in the middle of 21st century, hustle-bustle, stressful, crowd-filled, but often lonely London. And we're going to listen to God tell us how to do that from a part of the Bible that was written nearly 3,000 years ago. And people say, well, actually, I don't want to listen to God because life is, in London, too busy to listen to God. But I want to say there are three great reasons to listen to God because of what God himself is like. Look at those first three verses in Exodus chapter 20 and you will see the first thing you find about this God is that he is good because for three reasons he is personal you see that in verse 2 it starts by saying I am the Lord your God this is not an impersonal God last week we saw this is the whole point of God giving us his name I am And God gives his name the same reason we give our names in order to bring people into relationship. Today I visited Matilda and I asked her what her name was. Why? Because we wanted to be friends. You do this when you want to become friends with someone, you show them your name. And so what we're looking at here when we come to the Ten Commandments is not a list of rules, but a God who says, I want to give you relationship. I want to give you myself. And I want to give you myself so much that I will end up making you just like me. That's why we have the Sabbath rest. I did this, says God. Now I want you to be like me. That's the reason why God speaks. First, because he is very personal. Second, because he is loving. It says this, if you look at verse 1, he brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the whole point of the story, that God has loved them so much that he has brought them out of a terrible life to give them a whole new life. And the way that new life is pictured here in Exodus chapter 20 is like God marrying his people. And he brings them to this mountain. It's like a marriage ceremony. God says, I love you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt and you mustn't love anybody else. Don't have any substitute. And if you do, I will be jealous. Now, those are words taken really out of what we might say to each other at a wedding. Which is the highest form of human love and commitment. And God says, this is how it will be with you and with me, my special people. But we might be very surprised if you read the story so far that God would love them like this. Because they're not worth loving. I don't know if you have lived in England very long. You might have picked up we have a part of our sense of humour as we are uh, able to tell mother-in-law jokes. Uh, mother-in-laws, uh, generally, parents think their children are so good that anybody who marries them is not good enough. And so the mother-in-law joke starts because the mother doesn't think that there's anyone good enough to marry her son, and if someone does marry her son, well, there'll be trouble from then on because she's not looking after her son the way that the mother would. So you have the mother-in-law jokes, one after the other. Now, I'm not going to give you any tonight. I could. Ask me later. (laughs) But... The mother would look at the daughter and say to her son, I I don't know what you see in her. And you could say that to God, I don't know what you see with these people. Look, you've brought them already out of the land of Egypt and they've been grumbling, they've been complaining. What do you see in them? But God loves them, He sets His heart to have a passionate uh, uh, concern for them and so therefore uh, he is the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of slavery and loves them but also remember that at the end of the day God is God if you look at verse 1 it tells us that and God spoke all these words but these words are his words I don't think you can change these words, and he has all the authority to make these words happen. And we will find that our consequences if we go against God's words. You see that in verse five, don't you? When you have other gods in his place, I will visit the sins of the third and fourth generation. and when God speaks, it is worth listening. And bear that in mind, that God is personal, loving, and a God that you must listen to when you hear him talk about this important subject of work, which is what we're looking at today. Now, work, God made it to be a great blessing for us, but it is a cursed blessing. In other words, it is a blessing that doesn't uh, work Uh, as uh, it was made to work. And work can go wrong in two ways. One way work can go wrong is that we do too little of it and we become lazy. Another way work can go wrong is we do too much of it and we become workaholics. And to put that right, God says two things to us in the fourth commandment. First, he says, we shall work for six days. But he also says that we shall rest on the Sabbath. So let's look at those two things that God says in turn. First, God made us to work six days. You see that actually, verse 9, six days you shall labour and do all your work. Verse 9. And we see what that means. When the Bible talks about work, it doesn't mean paid work. It means work in the way that your father works whether you get paid for it or not. And so there's this very strange story said in Matthew uh, chapter 20 for people uh, who might just think, well, uh, I don't want to be uh, lazy, I want to work. There's this story in that... I'm oh, sorry. It's, it's kind of later. Um, oh, yes, I was going to tell you about uh, work and how, yes... Uh, There's two problems, we can get work wrong, either because we are lazy, or because we are workaholics. And actually, there's a story of a husband and a wife there. The husband is saying, uh, I'm bored. There's nothing on telly. And that's not wife, working very hard. Uh, That's not too far from where I live. We have a wonderful couple where I live, where uh, he plays on his computer all day long, and she, his partner goes out to work and then she comes home and she has the gardening to do, she does all the washing and and it's all or nothing. And in their house they somehow managed to combine uh, what you see in that picture. The man doing nothing and the woman doing everything. But we're going to be looking at working six days and, in Matthew chapter 20, remember Exodus chapter 20? Where Matthew chapter 20, there's a very strange story, I'll tell it to you, don't uh, necessarily look it up, but you can look it up when you get home. And it's a story about an employer who goes out to people and he employs them right through the day. He goes out and gets some people, what's the matter Ruth? Do you want to go and sit with my dad? Um, and... Uh, the, the, the setup is that uh, he goes and employs some people in the morning, some people in the afternoon, some people in the evening. And then at the end of the day, he gives them all the same amount of money. And they say, why? We did more work. But Jesus says, or God's story is about God, God will be generous however much you do. That's the main point of the story, but... It is a story that doesn't just tell us God is generous, it shows us God is fair because if you think about it, the people who went in the morning and got the job, well, they had to work in the heat of the day, but they had the security of knowing that they would work. Whereas the people who are left out on the street all day long had to live with the anxiety of doing nothing. And so what God is saying to us in that parable too, I think, is that Well, he takes that into account. He gives people their reward, whether they work or whether they don't. It's not about working for money. God looks after, with great generosity. And if we don't work like the people at the start of the day, life goes downhill. And often, one of the consequences of that is deep depression. If we aren't working, we live pointless lives. And it is important, therefore, that we take what God says and says, work six days. Now, it may be that you cannot work six days for money, especially if you are an immigrant, and the government has said, you must not work. Or maybe if you're retired, and you don't need to work. But God says, you must work six days in the sense of, give yourself, create for yourself six working days a week. Do it in different ways, you can do it serving people, there's endless opportunity for us to do that without getting paid for it. Or, even if it's uh a simple little job like going out and filling up a bag with litter every day. You can tick. make it your personal project to make your streets in your area spotless or your parks spotless. You might help a neighbor with a garden. Do anything and occupy yourself for six days because God says six days shall you work. So, if you're Iranian, you might just want to say, "Okay, this week I will work six days. And on Tuesday we'll work out the details of how we might do that. But if you're a Brit and you have a job, it is interesting, isn't it? The Bible says work six days. Now, actually, our standard of living is based on a five-day week. We have this 5-2 ratio, and the difficulty with that is we think, okay, I'm working five days, so now I've got two days, I've got the weekend. That weekend is going to be spent on myself. I've been giving five days to other people, but these two days, I'm going to live for myself. can become quite selfish in that. And we invent phrases like, this is me time." Now I want to suggest, that actually, if we don't set out to work six days and think of serving six days, we are going to end up either lazy or we are going to end up selfish. And the Bible wants to deliver us from laziness and selfishness and says, no, work six days. Be a servant. But the Bible also says, "Sorry, yes, there's the, the, the selfish person in the middle when he gets the weekend. But the Bible also says, treat one day a week as holy. And I'm going to explain that very simply as use one day a week for the Lord. We'll call it the Lord's Day. The Sabbath day was normally a Saturday, the Jews had that every Saturday, but when Jesus came back to life on the Sunday they called that the Lord's Day and so therefore uh, often people would regard Sunday as a Lord's Day, but I'll say something about that later because some of us have to work on Sundays, Charles already has been working today and he's just got in from work, so we need to think through uh, how the Bible actually fits life today when you have to do that and live that way. But I think there are three things that God gives us when he gives us the Lord's day. The first thing he gives us is humility. Because our constant danger as human beings is pride and we can rely on work in a way that makes us proud. We're proud that we can provide for ourselves. We're proud that we are independent of anybody else. We can look after ourselves, and we don't even need God to do that. But, my friends, it is, on the other side, very humbling to admit that we need rest. We are weak. And we can't go on and on and on. We each of us have limits, and if we proudly push back the or push past those limits, then what happens? We end up getting sick, and we start taking back-dated Sabbaths. So, your time in hospital is just basically the Sabbaths that you didn't rest when you had the chance. So, the Sabbath is an opportunity for humility to admit our weakness. We're weak, our families are weak, our staff are weak, even our livestock needs rest. And we need to be humble and recognize that. Otherwise we will break. The second thing that the Sabbath gives us is trust. And what we do is we remind ourselves and learn that God will actually look after us. We don't see work as the only way to survive, we see trusting God is the only way to survive. And that's happened already in um, uh, the food God uh, gave them uh, in the desert. Remember they had in Exodus chapter 16, food that dropped from heaven called manna and they picked a bit of it every day you see, even when they were walking through the desert, God gave them six days of work to do, they still had to go and gather the the Sabbath, so they still had to do that six days, but on the seventh day they didn't get any food why? because God gave them double rations on on the sixth day why? to teach them, trust me I will provide for you, I will look after you You don't have to work all the time. I will provide. That's just training going on for food. It's actually training for life as well. And we do see that it's not just work that helps us survive, but trusting God is what helps us survive. It doesn't depend on you, it depends on Him. And therefore, very interesting. if you turn on a few pages to Exodus chapter 31, you will see that uh, it, the Sabbath day, and how we stop, work and trust God, is a sign of a God-truster. So, uh, Murray, uh, on uh, page uh, 72, uh, in Exodus chapter 31, and you will find uh, verse 13, uh, page 72, Exodus 31, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between you and me throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You see that again in verse 17. It's a sign forever between me and you and the people of Israel that in six days God made Uh, the world Uh, but uh, uh, gave us the seventh so this is the sign of somebody who says I'm a God truster I won't go for that extra money because he will give me what I need and my friends if you don't trust God to look after you you will work every single day that you can And there are lots of people on our estate that say, I'd have to work. I have no time for anything else. I just have to work, 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 work. It's not true. We can trust God to look after us. And the Sabbath day grows humility, grows trust. And then also it grows love. This is something wonderful about the Sabbath day. It helps us to grow love for others, and especially for God. Now it's very interesting, if you look at verse 11 of Exodus chapter 20, we are back there now, okay, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, and the interesting thing that you learn about God is that he made man to be a worker, okay? God works in chapter 20, verse 11, and he creates man in his image to be a worker, got me? Okay, we're there on that now here's the interesting thing that when you look into the start of the Bible when God made the world in Genesis chapter 1 it finishes on the 6th day with God making man a worker Yeah, but in Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 God immediately creates the Sabbath so the man who is made to work the first thing he does is rest he goes into god's sabbath he goes into god's sabbath to have a relationship with god to have time with god to grow his relationship with god and in some ways it gives it the impression that it's a non-stop day because the eighth day never comes it gives you the impression that the seventh day is a day of relationship that lasts. Now, we know that uh, the eighth day, man, after resting with God on the Sabbath, does go out and work. We, we know that. He was made to be like God in that way, but it does tell us right at the start of the world that man was not made for work, he was made for heaven. He was made for the Sabbath rest with God. And here's the interesting thing. Exodus is a book about heaven. It's a book about heaven because, well, God takes people out of the land of slavery, Egypt. We've seen that in Exodus 20. And then what he does is uh, after, uh, uh, takes them out of Egypt, He takes them to the land of Canaan, and guess what the land of Canaan is called in the Bible? The land of rest. The land of Sabbath. So It's like God is saying, okay, I want to give you a picture of heaven, right? You got Genesis? From making me, you came into the Sabbath? Well, let me show you how that works. In real time, I'm going to take you out of this life and put you into Sabbath life. You used to work non-stop, didn't you? When you were in Egypt, you were slaves. Now, I'm going to give you a new life in the land of rest, where everything is provided for you. Why? When you go in there, you won't even have to build the houses they're waiting for you. I will give you rest. So it's teaching them how to think about heaven. The trouble is that they didn't get that. A lot of them didn't trust God, and so they died in the desert before they got to the promised land. Of rest and even when they got to the promised land of rest they still didn't trust God they were now not under Moses anymore they were under Joshua and they still didn't trust God anymore and so therefore God got rid of them there and so what you find out is that the rest of God is not actually going to be in any place in this life it will only be in the place where Jesus is King In his kingdom. And you see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. I'll tell you where the page is, and I'm sorry I can't do this with uh, um, the uh, Iranian people, but we did actually look at this earlier in our Iranian group of the study. Ibrahim, 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 chapter 4, 1003 page 1003, Ibrahim chapter for Hebrews, if you're just like me and you can't do the clever stuff, and look at verses 8 to 10. You see, Joshua led them into the land of rest in Canaan. But now God is speaking, and he says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You know, it's still in front of them. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So Sabbath is really an experience of heaven. It's meant to be one day of heaven in advance. It's like the story told of a beggar who had absolutely nothing But he had a relative that had absolutely everything and then the relative dies and leaves everything to the beggar. But because the relative has got so much, the beggar's got to wait before he gets his inheritance and until he can get his inheritance, this beggar who had nothing is able to live one day a week like a prince. Now that is really what Uh, the Sabbath is meant to be like for Christians, until heaven comes. We live one day a week in the presence of God with his people in the joy of what he says to us, enjoying heaven one day a week. Now, you've got to be very careful, because when you talk about a man who suddenly gets a lot of money to live one day a week as a prince, you just think of somebody getting self-indulgent spoiling himself with all that he can but the whole point of heaven is actually it's not me looking after myself it's about me loving other people that's why when you look at this story everybody's resting together me and my maidservant and my um, everybody yes uh, we all resting together it's a sense it's why because then all everyone is together in relationship Able to look after each other, to love each other. That's why Jesus, why did he get into so much trouble every Sabbath nearly? He goes out, we looked at Mark chapter 3, and he goes out, there's this man with the withered hand, and he does this on the Sabbath. Why not the day before? Why not the day after? Because he wants to say this is what the Sabbath is made for. It is made to give people a foretaste of heaven. And so, we are there to, uh, uh, to live uh, in the light of heaven. That's why Sabbath is the Lord's day. Yes, it was Saturday, now it's Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. It's the heaven day for Christians. So what should we remember as we go home tonight? Well, if you need Christianity, let me ask you, have you found life to be tiring and pointless? Just one mad dash from Monday to the next Monday, and the Monday after that. Now, it is interesting how Jesus, when he invites people to follow him, he uses the language of Sabbath. So in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, He says, come all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath. That's the word. In other words, he'll give you that relationship with God that you were made to have. And to help you with the stress and the bustle of life he gives you a humility that says I need rest it's fine I can rest today it's alright I won't be left without God will look after me it's fine seriously and rather get locked up in a world where I love myself I'm going to spend today learning to love others today is my day for heaven so my friend, if you have the Lord's day in your life, you will grow in the Lord Jesus. As you come to him and he gives you rest, he will give you humility, he will give you trust and he will give you love in the midst of his people, in the busiest of London, he will look after you. What well, if you've been to lots of uh, to churches, lots and lots, or maybe you've been to lots and lots of churches. It is easy, isn't it, for us to equate Sabbath with, uh, well, just Sunday. There's one person praising God in church on a Sunday and where well, we think it's all about a church service. And we forget that Sabbath is actually all about heaven. It's all about stepping into a world where We don't just simply sit next to each other and we sing hymns together. It's a day when we love each other, talk to each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, care for each other. As George said when he shut us up at the start of the service and he said, you can do your conversations later. Yes, don't rush home. Live to care for those around you as you sit in church today. And there's food we have to help you to do that. Just to keep the oil, to, to reel the oils, and keep them working. Now, Sabbaths are meant to be relationship-rich. It's not a day to spoil ourselves. A me-time day. It's a day for heaven, not for church, just by itself. Now, what happens if every believer? We want to get our thinking right in this, but my friend, we need to remember, don't we, the major picture when we think about. Uh, have, is we do have to work that picture is good because there's stuff growing in it and you've got to do your growing in six days everything needs to be fitted into that and it is a blessing for us to be working six days even if we don't get paid for it but we do need to rest now, I know that not everybody can rest on Sundays some people do have to work, no choice just has, they have to um, if you're in the medical profession you've got uh, uh, your shift rotor, probably in lots of jobs you have that and on Tuesday if you come here uh, for our meal at 7 and then we have our the Bible study at 8, we will work out the practical implications of how we can live like this, we'll get some ideas together but one day a week we need to keep it holy treat it as the Lord's Day call it the Lord's Day Actually, don't call it Sunday if you're able to come on a Sunday and some, many of us are still able to keep Sundays as a, a quiet day free from work well if that is you then call it the Lord's Day get the thinking right with the name right and let's make the most of it eating together which is what we do 12.30 our church starts every Sunday and then we go out, we visit together in other words we take an invite to heaven to different people who live on our estate not as uh, directly as that but in our friendship and in the opportunities that we seek to talk about what's in front of people when they're dying and then we come back here and we love to listen to God speak to us in the Bible that's what Sunday evenings are really about and we care for each other in the opportunities afterwards it's a great way to use the Lord's Day that's why when we ask people to come in as a church we say, come in, this is what our church does this is our view of what how a church should be join us because London is proud and busy and stressful and lonely. And we need a day where we can be humble and trusting and loved and loving. That's why God blessed the Sabbath. That's the blessing of the Sabbath. And it's ours as we live it out the way he made us to. Let's pray that God will help us do that. We'll take some questions after that and uh, clear any confusion. And we've still got the details to work through on Tuesday. Let's pray first. Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would please help us as a church to enjoy the blessing of the rest that you give us through a right use of one day a week. Help us to grow in our humility, in our trust, in our love. And we pray that you would please enable us not just to come to you for rest but to bring others in our busy city on our busy, lonely estate and to open the door of rest and relationship. And we pray you will help us in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Amen.